pointing that out uh, that I was possibly known for not paying attention to uh, meetings. Single-handedly, my uh, favorite moment of yesterday's interview with Bob Stoops. You Maybe know this, Teddy. You never that. paid attention. <laughs> that's kind of Tell him. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> Whether he meant it that way or not, man, it sounded like that. Well, that's definitely how we were going to take it, uh, no matter what. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's so great. Yeah, I love it so much. Well, uh, good stuff from Coach Stoops yesterday. Um, or as some people are calling him, I, I don't know if Mike and Parker came up with this or the text line came up with it during their show. They're calling him the Bob Father now. <laughs> Bob Father. Uh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So where are we at? It's Wednesday. Uh, some things have changed. Others have not. Like the smell in this room. It's, That's not going away anytime soon. It's not going. What's uh, more likely to happen? The smell finally fades or the chemical reaction taking place in our nose destroys our ability to smell anything, including the, uh, the chemical smell. In the here. latter is already happening to me, <laughs> so I don't think it's a question of e- I mean, which one. It's, it's clearly already happening. It smells like Sex Panther in here. <laughs> okay. Uh, nothing has changed. Do we feel like we've moved on a little bit? I definitely feel like we've moved on. Um, and I, I don't know if it's just because it's it's run its course by now or because the Bob father settled everyone down yesterday. I tend to think it's because Bob said what he said and everyone's like, yeah, all right, he's right. But I, I, I do feel like it's not a national – it really wasn't a national story for all that much. It's died down nationally. It's definitely died down locally. Brent's going to meet with the media tonight at 5 o'clock, and I feel like that is the last that we're going to hear of it for uh, quite some time. I feel like that is kind of the official end date on it. Who gets the first question? Um, so uh, who's your wide receivers coach? You think, you think it's going to be Al? Uh, I, hope, I hope he gets up there, opens things up. Is Where are your injuries? <laughs> What happened to your defense? <laughs> um, I hope he gets up there, uh, talks about the whole situation for 10 minutes, uh, gets emotional, opens it up for questions, and the first question is, why Oklahoma, Coach Venables? Oh, my gosh, yes. And of it's all the, the opportunities. It's the perfect segue for him to ramble on for uh, 15 <laughs> minutes about the job. And I hope it's the same guy, too, just like at Big 12 Media Day. Just a- uh, Brent, uh, why uh, Oklahoma? After all these years, you had job offers. What, what was it about Oklahoma? Uh, yeah, same guy. Hey, just want to follow up after Big 12 Media Day. Uh, why didn't you take the Auburn job? Yeah, good stuff. Well, I, I think, you know, the Coach Stoops thing, just hearing from someone like that, I think it's kind of what everyone was waiting on, whether it be Stoops or Josie or the university president. Like, to have someone with that influence to step in is, is really needed at that time. And I think it was. I think it was a good thing whenever Coach Stoops said that. Do you think we're going to get a question like this this year? Yeah, yeah, you know, we talked about it yesterday. He didn't have a honeymoon 
at Oklahoma and doesn't expect one at USC. That right there, as funny as that question is, is the most difficult question he was asked pretty much his entire tenure here. Exactly. <laughs> I wonder how Brent Venables would handle that question, by the way. Uh, probably the same. You, uh, it's one that you just kind of have to sit there and process a little bit. and I don't know. Fascinating. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, it is interesting, even though it is still somewhat the quiet season, even though training camp's going on, uh, college and NFL, it didn't feel like this story. I, as soon as it happened, my biggest worry was like the two opposing sides of your national media were going to play tug of war over this situation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it doesn't look like that ever occurred. Um, it look, some people have tried. And I don't know if you guys talked about that dead spin article, stupid, dumbest thing I've ever seen. Written. I mean, it was, yeah, no, it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen written, honestly. Right. We did, we did not discuss it, though. Does not deserve any airtime. There's, there's not, there's, there's not a whole lot going on out there, which I think is a good thing. And um, we got camp news rolling in, uh, starting to hear some, some of the different things, different players that are performing well and what that might mean. And, some different guys that have have maybe inserted themselves into some position battles. So that's the kind of talk that uh, like that we like to get into here. So I don't know. We'll judge it. We'll see where the text line takes us. Well, today. I'll tell you the uh, content that everyone loves, and it comes from the message boards of OrangeBloods.com, uh, okay. the largest Texas site out there, I believe, and it's some source notes on uh, what practice has been looking like for the Horns. This was screen uh, took a screenshot on Twitter, and of mm-hmm. course uh, I'm reading it to you now. Okay. Here's how it goes. It's a little long-winded. Here's some notes collected via multiple Orange Blood staffers regarding Tuesday's close practice, the first of fall camp in full pads. Sources close to the team say Coach Sark was not at all pleased with the practice. As an offensive-minded coach, you'd figure this likely had to do with the execution on offense more than anything going bad on the defense. Indeed, we heard from separate sources that the defense certainly won the day in team drills. Sark reportedly told the team after practice that it's a good time for them to be scheduled to receive a day off on Wednesday. He reportedly expects the team to come back on Thursday with better focus. It was a hot day and a late afternoon practice on Tuesday, along with being the first one in pads, so a little bit of acclimation and dust to knock off is not necessarily to be unexpected. Uh, Anything there before we move on here? No. No whatsoever? You know, there's going to be days like that in training camp for every team, and you know, a lot of times it's just – you can tell sometimes whenever a practice is rolling that the coaches had a discussion in a staff meeting like, we're going to get on them today. And it's just going to be one of those days where it's it's a grinder. Everyone is – no matter what happens, every mistake, everything is just berated by coaches and – Maybe bring like if if everyone's loose and having fun, like you want to have a loose fun practice. But if that's kind of spinning out of control, you try and rein things in a little bit. You know, kind of regrab the focus of the football team, put them through a tough one. Especially if you've got a day off coming up, that you know is a little bit of a reminder. Like, geez, I, 
you know, I don't know how I was going to do spend my day off. I better get in the film room and, and study some notes and stuff like that. So you're going to hear stuff like that out of every single team, NFL, college, hike, school. <laughs> Let's get to the good stuff. Okay. There has not been significant movement between quarterbacks Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers per all sources. Quote, separation needs to happen at some point, one source said. Ooh, yeah, buddy. I already know who the starter's going to be, but homeboy might go ahead and start trying to separate himself from the rest of the pack here. I think there's a good chance that the source for that article was their their buddy or their colleague that works at the same place sitting right next to him. Well, they better have some separation coming up soon. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to put that in there. I, I I don't know. You're not believing it? That there has not been significant movement between Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers per all sources? I believe that. What are they, four days into camp? Well, first full day in pads. Come on. Yeah, and they I, had the entirety of the spring. Sark already – he basically already said that he's got his mind made up, but he's not sharing it with anyone. Didn't well, he say that at, at Big 12 Media he Day? He said that last week. One source even mentioned that Malik Murphy, to an untrained eye, yeah, buddy. looked about as good as the others. That's Okay, that's the first thing that grabbed my attention, because you know how I feel on this thing. That is the guy that I do not want playing quarterback for Texas. You think he looks like Vince Young, yeah. reincarnated? Yeah. 6'5", athletic, uh, 230 pounds. Plus. Okay, you know what? You know why I'm not worried about that, though? Because I guarantee you, Teddy, if we took one step out in their practice field, I guess they're practicing tomorrow, they got a day off today, we'd say, um, yeah, that honestly looks like the best quarterback that's out there. Guess who Texas is not going to play this year? It's certainly not start to the, to the season. Right. Malik Murphy, yeah, he might be a dude that's there. But all the NIL money is to Quinn Ewers. That's who they're going to play. Malik Murphy might not even get a, a fair shake at this thing. Yeah. Welcome to the University of Texas. He's not going to get a fair shake. Um, I mean, you're right. You've said it all along. It's probably going to end up being the Ewers kid no matter what. Well, if it's close, card might be a little bit better, a little more uh, um, consistent. Hey, let's go with the Ewers kid. We pay him the most in NIL, right? I, you know. But this goes back to pretty much everything that I've said all along about the Ewers kid. Stop treating him like he's a generational player when he has done absolutely nothing. He might be. He may round into that. But don't start making big predictions on what Texas is going to be based on a guy that is yet to throw a meaningful pass in a college football game. You can't do that. Now, after you see him some and see him get sacked by Will Anderson 17 times <laughs> uh, whenever they host Alabama in week two, then start making your predictions on what he's going to be. Yeah, uh, this, this note says the offensive line uh, likely had a lot to do with both Ewers and Card's uninspiring days while playing with the first offense. Uh, well, get used the, to it because the they're blocking was, a bad defensive the, line. They, the defense was caving them in, one person said. So, <laughs> rave, yeah. rave reviews out of uh, 
Someone gave this team a first place vote, remember, and not all days are rosy, even for good football teams during training camp, but they're not having a quarterback that can separate themselves and an offensive line that's getting caved in by a defensive line that was god-awful last year. Well, 24 days until kickoff. They may end up starting two freshmen on the offensive line, which, hey, sometimes you got good freshmen come in that can step in and play. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the case here. It seems to be the, we don't have anyone else. Uh, that's not a good time to be playing freshman. But we'll see how the how the whole thing unfolds. It's early. Training, you can't like, – no one is in regular season form right now a handful of days into training camp. Nobody. Well, and here's what's annoying about this is we can read all the negative comments we can possibly get on Texas and what's going on in the offseason – we can get two two more weeks of stuff like this, but it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. The, the the Texas team that shows up in training camp or against ULM or Kansas State or everyone else, it's not the same team that's going to show up in the Cotton Bowl. And it is the definition of a front-running type of team and program, but that's who they are. Yeah. Buddy, they'll, they'll show up in the Cotton Bowl. You can bet on that. Well, it's pretty amazing. It is interesting that at least um... – at least some sources down there at UT are trying to tamp down some of the expectations for this football team. And, you know, I, not surprising considering, you know, where they continually get picked. I mean, most coaches are pretty realistic about, about what they're going to be capable of. And, hey, you never know whenever you catch fire and good things start to happen and good play, or players start to play really good football is – as the momentum builds, like that stuff can happen, but you know, most coaches have a have a pretty good idea of what they what the possibilities really are, and it sounds like uh, anytime they're talking to someone, they're trying to knock down the expectations of of what people think Texas is going to do. Sure, uh, Air Coverage Solutions text line. You guys bring up an interesting point. Does NIL deals determine who starts now? Does it factor in? I think at some schools, absolutely yes. Especially at quarterback, man. Well, it's interesting. So, in the NFL, for example, you often the guy with the big salary will play even if the guy behind him is better. And the reason for that is usually fairly simple. The GM looks bad if a um, undrafted free agent making the league minimum is outplaying his free agent that he's paying $15 million a year, right? Sure. So um, I don't know if the uh, Russell Wilson and Matt Flynn analogy is good here, but that's the first one that came to mind. Right. Um, a lot of times that's what happens. You You play better guys because they – or you play guys that get paid more because there's a lot of people whose jobs look really bad um, if if that's not the case. So that's not going to happen in college, though. At least it shouldn't. You know, I'm sure there's some – I'm not naive. I'm sure there's been promises made out there on what we can get you NIL-wise. But – that should all end as soon as the NIL deal is done. 
this should be about who gives us the best chance to win because, like, supposedly whoever's running those NILs has nothing to do with the day-in, day-out operation of the football team. Sure, but you also said you're not trying to be super naive here. I, I definitely think whether it's Nico at Tennessee or, you know um, – some guy, you know, the Florida and how much money they're trying to throw at some things. Miami, that NIL is definitely going to factor in, at least in some spaces. Who starts at particular positions for teams? Right. I, I think it will matter. Well, and I think Quinn Ewers is a great example of this. Right. Here's the thing, though, man. If I'm a if I'm a big donor, and I am paying out a bunch of money in NIL. For let's say I've I've signed NIL or assigned a, the Ewers kid to a, a big NIL deal. Like, what do I care if it's Ewers or if it's you know anyone else playing quarterback? Like for me, the reason I'm doing it is because I want to help the program. I did it. The kid's not good enough to start. Play the other guy. All I want us to do is win. Well. Like, you're, I don't care where that money gets distributed. Play the best guy. You're thinking like a logical person that isn't trying to be uh, friends with an 18-year-old kid, though. Like, no, that's my guy. I paid money to my guy to get out there and start a quarterback. I told Sark I'm pulling my donor money if he don't play Ewers kid. Uh, would, that, would that shock you? No. Especially there? No way. No. Even though the people making the demands have never seen Quinn Ewers throw a pass in a meaningful football game, no, it still wouldn't surprise me. All right, quick timeout. Keep the text line coming. See him coming in. 651-3439. We'll be back. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman inside the Brown O'Haver studios. Keep those texts coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. Teddy's smiling a little limb biscuit. Yeah. us in. A little durst. I feel like uh, that was probably, uh, is that the right time frame for a pregame music selection for you at Fort Gibson High? Yeah. that was Yeah, that was right around that time. Limp Biscuit was like late 90s. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I loved Limp Biscuit whenever they were, uh, whenever they were first getting rolling. And then they became like a joke almost overnight. Mm-hmm. Durst. <laughs> I guess everyone. Yeah. I'm guessing everyone on OU schedule is having terrible practices right now. We just read what Texas is doing, yeah. and then uh, new Nebraska OC Mark Whipple said, <laughs> "We had a bad day today. The kids were tired. They felt sorry for themselves." So the OC saying that. And I guess Kendall Thompson was saying, "Yeah, yeah, man, everything's cool, guys. Oh, we're, we're having a great practice. Had a great practice today. Offense is playing well." Yeah, you know, sometimes there's a disconnect. Uh, sometimes there's a disconnect in messaging. Uh, whenever, because usually coaches are pretty, pretty even across the board, so the players tend to be pretty even across the board. And then a coach just says it was god awful, and the player didn't get the memo that we're not like we're not just like given coach speak today and you go out there and you look stupid by not following the coach's lead. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're kind of set up for failure. It's kind of refreshing actually, yeah. you know, to hear Mark Whipple say, yeah, the kids felt, felt, felt sorry for themselves. 
I don't know. What to, you know, whatever. We'll try it again tomorrow. Feel sorry for themselves. Yeah. I don't know what uh, Whipple is referring to. Sometimes, like, the final couple of plays. Uh, here's what's really interesting, especially for a first-time – he's not a first-time coordinator, but he's a new coordinator at Nebraska. Uh, he is trying to prove himself, right? So the offense and the defense get really, really competitive with one another. And if the defense has a couple of, of – Nice plays, maybe big turnovers. If you're doing like a move the ball period or something like that, then um, you know a coach may carry that off the field and and feel a certain way about perhaps losing the end of a drill. Whenever a player's just like, oh yeah, and you know uh, the Thompson kid may have not even been in at that point. You know maybe it was a backup that threw a, a bad pick six to to lose the drill or something like that. So it's. I'm telling you, no one is in midseason form right now, and I'm just glad to hear some coaches coming out. And it is very kind of calling it how it is. It really is. All right, text line. Will y'all have BV live? If you're talking about uh, his media availability at five o'clock today, yes. No. No. <laughs> Do not let him lie to you. Oh, dang it. Well, just actually, we can um, tell him or text him and say, hey. Will you call me during your availability and just phone? hit it on speakerphone, and we'll play it through our phone? That that would work. I can I can make that work. Patch it in. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. What do you well. think I'm some kind of idiot? <laughs> uh, what? Do what now? Uh, no, we will not have that live. We will just be offering comedic relief as it unfolds live, okay? Jim in Arlington, is the cheetah position the old Roy Williams position? Teddy, who are the leading candidates? Uh, by the old Roy Williams position, do you mean nickel? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, there's a, a lot of similarities there. Um, there's several candidates for that spot. Uh... I'll tell you who is looking really good right now. Who is that? The Harrington kid. Mm, heard that as well. And man, I've been I've been wanting him to make an impact on this defense for a long time and like whatever issues were there with the previous staff and him I don't know what they were. I don't know where it happened. You know, he had, he had the injury deal. He was trying to bounce back from that. They tried him at corner, which was kind of a new spot for him. Um, whatever all that was, it's gone. And they love how Justin Harrington is. Chance to start. Practicing, how he's conducted himself through the offseason, what he's done in strength and conditioning. Does he have a chance to start? Yes. How good of a chance to start? I don't know. Hmm. Consistency is going to be the biggest factor for him. Because athletically, with all due respect to Justin Broyles, he's, he's done a lot of good things here. It ain't close athletically. Yeah. Justin yeah, yeah, Harrington yeah, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, without wanting to get too excited over it, there's a chance you have a, a six foot three, two hundred and fifteen to eighteen pound nickel. We haven't had anything like that 
ever, as far as I'm concerned. I uh, look forward this evening to seeing a uh, title thread on one of the message boards saying, Layman says Harrington's going to start at Cheetah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's going to have 98 replies. Right. Yeah. Well. Layman says on KREF, Harrington starts at Cheetah. Oh, please. Actually, don't do that. That's not funny. But it, I, I I haven't heard as glowing reviews as you, but that yeah, he's definitely going to be a contributor on this defense. And I've said it multiple times, I am rooting for that to happen. The situation happened uh, at, last year, but they took a scholarship away, made him change his jersey number, one or two ways to respond to that, and it sounds like he responded the best possible way right. he could have. Well, and, that's, and that's really cool. Um, well, here's the thing, too. We are in the... We are in the, dare I say, honeymoon phase of fall training camp. And I, I say this every year, and feels like a good time to reemphasize the first couple of days of training camp. Young guys always look good, right? How often do we hear it? Boy, you know, the this freshman running back or – This freshman uh, offensive lineman or this freshman linebacker looks good. The first couple of days of training camp, you're a handful of days into the install. Out on the field, the first handful of days, you're starting off with maybe three calls defensively, maybe one or two blitzes. Offensively, you're starting off when you're, you're very base- Bread and butter things, okay? Around, you know, five, four or five days in is where everything starts to really expand, okay? And also, you've, you've had some extended time in, in your base packages, and you're seeing what the offense is doing or what the defense is doing, and you start making tweaks, to like everything that you install has baseline rules. Like, this is our go-to rules when we install something, this is how it's done. But then, as you roll into the season, tweaks start happening. We're going to do – we want you to align here instead of there. We're going we're gonna to play this route combination this way instead of that way. Right? Whenever we see this look and we get a motion, we're now going to kill that coverage and we're going to this one. All of those things start to happen, and that is whenever the young players look like garbage. Because everything is not just concrete like they've been practicing through the summer, like they've been watching it on film. All of a sudden, you've thrown a couple of wrinkles in there, and the young guys, uh, you know, mentally fall apart. Full pads are about to start coming in. The camp legs, the, the bumps, the bruises, the soreness. That's whenever everything starts to fall apart. And that's whenever you start to hear coaches say, the guys were feeling sorry for themselves. Today's practice was crap. Um, you know, good thing we have a day off tomorrow. Yeah, Nebraska is a week further on in training camp than everyone else because mm-hmm. they play a week earlier than everyone else. So this isn't technically their third or fourth training no, camp. Supposedly, practice. it's going to happen across the Atlantic Ocean, and no one's going to be watching it. But th- they do theoretically play. No one's going to be watching it. What do you mean? You you don't think any of us is going to be watching well, the Nebraska Northwestern game, buddy? It, I would be it's scouting a, it. It's at eleven thirty. Of course, I'm going to be watching it. I can't wait for that game. Just like I couldn't wait for the Nebraska Illinois game last year. 
And I'm sitting there the entire time saying, God, OU's going to destroy these guys. These guys are terrible. Are you serious? There's no way they hang within three touchdowns of OU. Well, these guys stink. You were right and wrong at the same time. Mostly wrong. <laughs> Mostly wrong. But you were right that they, they stink, right? Yeah. That, that proved to be true. From the 918, Texas is the Browns of the Big 12. I disagree. The Browns have actually won a meaningful football game. In the past decade, they beat the Steelers in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Well, Texas beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. But Georgia, they didn't care about the game. You heard them. Well, neither did Pittsburgh. <laughs> when that, was that the same year uh, Garrett tried to kill Mason Rudolph? No, that was the year before that. <laughs> That's the point we remember NFL years. Yeah, that was the year Garrett killed Rudolph on the field with his own helmet. I know this is a little bit random, but what happened to Brock Vandegrift? Is he, is he still at Georgia? Yeah. You're well, right. That's very random. Here's what happened to Vandegrift. He gets used all the time about how, well, Georgia's got a quarterback room full of five stars. Brock Vandegrift looks like Steve the Pirate off dodgeball. Actually, it's a dead ringer. And if you go to Brock Vandegrift's Twitter page, and if you scroll down to like the first or second tweet that's there, he, I, I'm serious, it's, it's a dead ringer. Huh. Gar. Peter. Gar. Peter. <laughs> Does he not look exactly with the mustache and everything? What's he saying? I don't know, Steve. If you're not a pirate, who the hell am I going to share all this spirit treasure with? <laughs> Does he say, like, doesn't he say who's Steve? Uh, do, no, you know there's, Steve is? there's uh there's one guy at the end that says, There's a guy on our team dressed as a pirate. It's like at the very <laughs> end right. of the movie. That's right. Gar. What a great movie. Peter. Ah, oh, that's great. Well Thank uh, you, Brock Vandegrift, for helping us quote Dodgeball. I don't know. Is this is this true? Like how old is this picture that you've got up? Uh, it's the first. Uh, it's the first tweet. It's from last year. It's okay, from I was about September thirtieth of twenty twenty one. I was like, he can't still be a freshman, can he? That that'd be crazy. But I don't know. He's same year as uh, Caleb Williams. Is he? Yeah, because remember they got the uh, the decommit from Vandegrift, and then they got the commit from Caleb Williams after that. Remember when? Uh, remember when Carl's Jr. and his dad—I I think it was his dad actually—they're like, even if we didn't get a scholarship, we would have come to OU. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe that's true because you know he was bound and determined to follow uh, former head coach Lincoln Riley out to the University of Southern Cal. Who never got a honeymoon here. Never got a honeymoon. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Keep the text coming. Air Comfort Solutions text line six five one. Three four three nine. It is the rush on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. And the ACC kind of took a turn earlier this morning because, unfortunately, Wake Forest starting quarterback mm. Sam Hartman, who might be the best quarterback in the ACC coming into this year, he's going to be sidelined for uh, quite some time out indefinitely with an unknown medical condition. Yeah, Clearly, that changes things significantly for Wake Forest. Do They, they host Clemson at home earlier in the year, right? 
Uh, or is that I, NC State? I believe that is correct. They host Clemson on September 24th, their fourth game wow. of the season. Clemson's schedule just got a whole lot easier. Yeah. I mean, it was already a pretty manageable schedule, but that's that's a, that's a huge hit to Wake. Yeah, he had an unbelievable season last year. He threw for 4,200 yards, um, 39 touchdowns. I think he ran for – uh, several more, yeah, ran for 11 more, accounted for 50 touchdowns. So, huge, huge part of their their offense. So, that's that's tough, man. That's frustrating for them. And, you know, I don't know what it what it is. I hope it's something that he's going to be okay. And I, I think um, they, they think he's going to be back at some point this year. So, okay. hopefully it's not, yeah, like, like, like life-threatening or anything like that. But I think there's a thought that – and it may be later in the year that he's going to be able to come play quarterback at some time. Well, that's good news. Yeah, that is good news because he's a really good player, and um, he he makes Wake Forest go. They'd been yeah. down for quite some time, and he kind of helped him um, kind of rejuvenate that program a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting whenever you look at that. The ACC has three good teams this year. And everyone, well, I guess Miami could be. Uh, they could be. Three teams that everyone felt really good about and a couple that everyone was, was let's wait and see. But Clemson, NC State, and Wake Forest were the, definitely those three that every, everyone pretty much unanimously liked. I mean, some liked more than others, obviously, but they were all in that one division, which, you know, is, is fascinating. And bad for teams like NC State or Wake Forest that you know whenever you feel like you're you're able to maybe make a move you're stuffed in that that division there with Clemson and you know in previously Florida State whenever both Clemson and Florida State had it going pretty good Louisville's had it going at, at a couple of different times hard to get a foothold and here's maybe your best opportunity and something like this hits it's it's yeah tough. Like, and, and to put in perspective how big of a deal this is in the ACC like, I, I'm looking at an article right now from 24/7 sports and they had projecting the top 10 offenses in college football this year number five was USC the number four was Alabama number three was Wake Forest now e- even if Sam Hartman was completely healthy, would I have necessarily agreed with that? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think USC's offense is overhyped. I don't definitely don't think Alabama's is. But that's what Wake Forest's offense was projected to be this year, is one of the best offenses in college football. Yeah. And this article thought that it was going to be an offense that likely produced two 1,000-yard receivers this season. <laughs> Let's see. Last year, uh, the Hartman kid threw for forty-two hundred yards, and they had they had two thousand-yard receivers. At Perry had almost thirteen hundred yards and fifteen touchdowns. Eight eighteen point two yards per reception. Him and Jaquari Roberson or Roberson both had seventy-one receptions. Both had over a thousand yards. Both were over fifteen yards per catch. Both had longs over sixty-nine yards. Nice. And um, the two players accounted for, what, 23 touchdowns. That's impressive. By the way, here was the top 10 they had. SMU at 10. Texas. Now, this is just the offenses? The best offenses? Projecting top 10 offenses this year. Texas at 9. Georgia at 8. Okay. You've got OU at 7. 
Houston at six, USC at five, Bama at four, Wake Forest at three, your Tennessee Volunteers at number two, and the Ohio State Buckeyes at number one. Hmm. Anyone in the top ten where you're like, yeah, there's no way they're going to be a top ten offense this year? Um, I think SMU probably takes a hit, right? Losing their whole staff? Yeah. Um, they were fringe top ten a year ago. Yeah. but I, I don't know much about their new staff. Uh, what Rhett, Rhett Lashley's back, I guess. But it just kind of seems like a program that, not plug and play, but they're going to kind of do what they do and throw it around. Yeah. But I, I think that's fine. Um, Mordecai is the quarterback this year. I think I think USC will probably have some games where they put up impressive numbers. But, I mean, are they one of the ten best offenses in the country? The answer to that to me is – yeah. Absolutely not. I don't think so either. Statistically, they might be because I think they're going to be in a whole bunch of shootouts this year. Well, I think they're going to be in a lot of uh, high 30s, low 40s football games. So, who go through the list really quickly again? Just buzz SMU through. 10, Texas 9, Georgia 8, OU at 7, Houston at 6, SC at 5, Bama at 4, Wake at 3, Tennessee at 2, Ohio State at 1. Uh, I think that. The Georgia one seems strange. Um, you know, they weren't a bad offense last year, but, you know, top 10, I don't know, maybe, I guess. Uh, They're going to have to be a top 10 offense, I think, to make another serious run at the title. And the Houston one is interesting to me also. Uh, Houston, people are picking to have a good team this year, but that's mainly based on. The defense. The defense. Um, they were they were outside. They were probably thirty last year, which you know doesn't necessarily mean everything. But um, maybe Texas. I think Texas has the potential just because of some of like they're not going to have a good defense. Exactly. And they're going to be in a lot of shootouts. Going to be in a lot of shootouts. But here's the thing about that list. Like if, if we're talking about the best against the best. Houston, USC, uh, Texas, Wake Forest. There's some teams in there that just like to be like like a legitimate Ohio State offense number one in the country last year. You've got to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage, and those teams can't dominate the line of scrimmage. Right? Like, they've got they've got some weapons on the outside. You know they've got some skill position guys and some plays that are going to wow you. But as far as like the real meat and potatoes, whenever you're talking about playing the best of the best, not going to be able to get it done. Okay, so with that being said, how hot of a take is it for me to think that not statistically, just overall who's the best offense in college football with an improved offensive line? Oh, you can definitely be the third best offense in college football this year behind Bama and Ohio State. Definitely. Now, part of that is you got to look at someone else and say, because it's Ohio State, Bama offensively, and then there's a drop off from everyone else. But I think OU's in that group to be the third best offense in the sport this year. Yeah, I think there is a bit of drop off there, yet, yet to be determined. Do they have the potential? Yes. And yeah, that's what I'm saying. They got the potential. They got the potential. Let's see where the offensive line goes. That's really the only. 
and I feel good about it right now. Feel good about what I've heard with with the offensive line. But that is the the one thing that would I would say potentially is holding them back from from really getting into that group. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number one next. Cavens Construction, bringing you hour number one of the rush on this Wednesday. CavensConstruction.com for all of the services that they offer. Uh, text line before we hit the top of the hour. Just curious if Muleshoe is going to be both the OC and the head coach at USC. Now, he hired a Josh Henson as his uh, O-line coach and OC, but who? let's see who takes over the play calling or who gets the play calling duties there. You know how that works sometimes. It's so, it's going to be it's going to be Lincoln Riley. What do you mean Josh Henson? He's listed as an offensive coordinator along with the offensive line coach. But there's a lot of times where someone's listed as the offensive coordinator, they don't necessarily get the play calling duties. You, right. Huh. Yeah, well, USC in in I could be wrong on this, but just like Oklahoma you hired Lincoln Riley for his offensive coordinator ability, and it would be strange to take that away from him. Lincoln Riley is listed on USC's website as the C and J Elderling head football coach. Yeah, I rem I remember that. Didn't someone else do that too? It's like a sponsored thing. Where it's sponsored the oh gosh, I'm trying to remember who else it was. Um pretty funny though. Uh where do you think OU's offense will fall in the rankings? I think seven. Could be dead on balls accurate for this offense this year in terms of where it ranks statistically. Why Why do you pick seven? Uh, we're going off statistically, right, and not the best offense. I think, um, I think with their ability to go fast at times, that's definitely going to help the numbers. But I don't think that they're going to throw it around as much as maybe some other teams in front of them. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know where they're going to be. I'll tell you this, my guess is they'll be almost a total 50-50 run pass team in both snaps and in statistics, and a lot of times that ends up putting you pretty good up there in the standings for total offense. All right, quick timeout, hour number two, the rush is next.